Good evening, everyone. I didn't have a lot of time to prepare something to talk about tonight. Um, but what I will talk about is something that uh, I was reflecting on this morning. I'm writing a, a, an essay um, for publication on mindfulness that I've been asked to write, so I'm reflecting on that a lot. It's about um, mindfulness and technology in particular, mindfulness apps. Um, many, many years ago, um, like I'm going back to um, the 1970s, 80s maybe, um, some of the primitive technology that was around then before apps was that um, biofeedback machines became very popular as a way of teaching people how to meditate. And there were a lot of um, sort of scientific laboratories and firms, you know, that set up places where people could go and meditate connected to biofeedback. And it's based on this whole principle of how um, uh, when you meditate, you, you develop alpha waves, you know, and the beta waves become less prominent. So, um, so many people would go off to do biofeedback, not just training, but that's what, what their practice would be and they would go there on a weekly basis. And it seemed obvious to me that people who went along to these technological places re really thought they were doing the right meditation, you know, because it was scientific. You, you, you add technology into meditation and um, people think they're doing something really important right? and that it's better in some way because you can, you can measure what you're actually doing through the feedback. Um, but people don't use that. I don't hear about people using biofeedback to learn how to meditate much these days, although it is out there. Um, because I think that what happened is that people realised that it was really quite redundant and you don't need it. But what has replaced that kind of technology today um, are mindfulness apps. Mindfulness apps are everywhere, right? They're, they're universal. And um, from a Zen perspective, um, they're really not necessary. Again, um, I think the marketers have done a really good job of um, convincing people that it's really important they have a mindfulness app um, so that uh, it will help them to stay on track. Uh, it's got a human voice telling them what to do and it'll help with their practice in some way. Um, but to my mind, it's just relying unnecessarily on technology and it gets in the way. And one of the analogies I would give, do you know when um, uh, children, um, young toddlers learn to swim and they have those floats with them, the little floaties that help them to swim? Well, mindfulness apps are kind of like floaties, you know, or, or trainer wheels, you know, on bikes. You know, it's like they're, they're useful to begin with to give you some kind of instruction on how to do it. Um, but eventually, um, children are going to feel more mastery over swimming and more mastery over themselves if they eventually don't, they don't need the floats anymore and they can just swim without them. At some point they take the risk that you don't need the floats anymore and you can just rely on yourself to float and to swim. Or riding a bike, you don't need the trainer wheels anymore. You trust somehow that you got the balance and the mastery to actually do it without it. And um, uh, when I, when I think of people constantly being on mindfulness apps, I think of adults still with their floaties on, right, or their trainer wheels, you know. 
And um, of course it's not what we do here, because one, it's unnecessary. Um, even guided med- meditations, a lot of a lot of Buddhist teachers give mo- guided meditations, which we never do in the Zen tradition. And it, and the reason why it is, is that eventually it gets in the way, and it keeps you in a kind of dependent state, you know, on on the app or on the teacher, being a guide. And eventually, what we really want in Zen, you know, as a Zen teacher, as people have developed their own resilience and their own mastery and their own autonomy to stand on their own feet, they don't need that anymore. Just like with teaching a child to swim, you want them to be able to just have the confidence to do it on their own without any kind of technology helping them. And in many ways, I think technology, whether it comes from apps or biofeedback or whatever, or even guided meditation, um, gets in the way of meditation. It's filled up with too many words and the directions coming from outside of you. And I don't think that it allows you to really um, let go into just being present with what is and being intimate with just what is in a silent kind of way. And then you sink into the suchness of the moment or what we might call the emptiness of the moment. But while there's a voice there in the background prompting you what to do, it's kind of like it's a bit of a distraction and the words get in the way and you don't get that really intimate experience with life. Imagine the difference like when we go to Stroud and we sit in that forest and we hear all those beautiful bird songs coming and going all the time. Imagine if you're up there and you know every, every, every few minutes someone says, now listen to the birds singing. <laughs> yeah. Remember to listen to the birds sing. It gets in the way. Um, Zen meditation and a Zen life is, is just so incredibly simple that we miss it all the time. Technology makes it more and more complicated. Words make it more and more complicated. Um, but if, you, if your Zen practice is moving in the direction of simplicity and intimacy with the moment and a kind of a often, not always, but a, a wordless, uh, non-conceptual way of just being in the present, then that, that's, all, that's all that's required. Everything else are add-ons.